This morning, we are continuing where I left off a couple of weeks ago on a message uh, out of Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now, um, we were reading, well, we'll pick it up, right, uh, Galatians, the fifth chapter, chapter 19. It says here, he's writing, he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, because we talked about that, sadly, today. They're not very obvious to a whole lot of people, but he says they're obvious. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, he writes, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are acts of the sinful nature. They're acts, they're things you do, or as in this case, things you should not do. Of course, the key to whether or not you do or do not do them is pretty much determined where your head is at. If you are, as we said in biblical terminology, if you are carnally minded, I call it being a meathead, but if you're constantly thinking about natural things and, you know, anger and all, your head's in the wrong place, you won't be able to walk these things out. You will be caught in this trap that Paul warned us about that you will find yourself, find yourself doing things you don't want to be doing, things you want to do, you're not able to do. Uh, he says the key to this is to make sure that you are getting your head in the right place because if you are thinking spiritually minded things, then you will be able to live by the Spirit. We read about this in the previous verse. He says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. I think you don't have to be a Christian very long before you figure out that struggle going on inside of you. They are in conflict with each other. You're not schizophrenic. It's just that there's this conflict. Before you come to Jesus, it's pretty much just the negative side of life. That sinful nature just runs your life, pretty much destroys your life. Uh, uh, and a lot of you have been through a lot of pain. A lot of you been through some really rough things. Uh, I mean, if you really knew some of the things some of the people around you have been in, you know, you'd move over a couple of chairs. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've all been through stuff. Even our guys who are worshiping with us, uh, in the correctional facility for a lot. I mean, a lot of you guys, the only difference between you and some of us is you got caught, and we didn't, you know? So uh, that's, that's about it, man. I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all done things. We've all know what th this is like, uh, especially when you don't know Jesus. Now, when you come to Jesus, now all of a sudden the Spirit of God is in you, and you become kind of aware of this ee-ah, ee-ah going on inside of you, and it can be very frustrating. And Paul's just saying, look, if you'll be live by the Spirit. If you will continue to keep your head in a spiritual place, the Spirit will enable you to do all these things, or in this case, not do specific things. Okay? Now, I want to stress again that when he writes about the acts of the sinful nature, these are things that are done. And Paul's warning and exhortation is very simple. Don't do them. I warn you, he writes, as I did before. This wasn't new. This wasn't the first time Paul talked about this. He had been repeating this to them. Stop living this way. Quit doing this stuff. It is destructive. He says, if you don't, I'm warning you, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there seems to be a considerable resistance to the message of stop it in our culture today. Even in churches. Uh, some of the biggest static I get from churches is whenever I encourage God, particularly men, you know, stop it. Stop the bad behavior. Man up. Do the right thing. Quit doing these destructive things. And they just, oh, you can't tell people that. You can't tell people that. They can't help it. They can't help it. I mean, and it's all part of this secular culture in which we live, which basically tells us you can't do anything about it. 
You can't control yourself. You're not much different than a chicken or a frog, you know. If you feel it, you got to do it. And if you're feeling bad things, it's too bad and it's not your fault and it's somebody else's fault. And, you know, you can't tell young people to not do things. They're going to do it anyway. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thinking. Everybody's going to do it. Everybody's doing it anyway. Doesn't matter, you know. And again, while I get the pagans talking like this, they're pretty clueless about life, quite frankly. You know, they're secular thinking. It is what it is. But what fries me is that in church environments, in Christian environments, this thinking too that, well, you can't tell people not to do it. They can't help it. You know, if, if, if you start talking and challenging people to stop it, like Paul says, stop doing it. Quit doing these things. These will destroy you. Now, granted, if you just keep your head in the wrong place, you'll keep doing it, but get your head in the right place. It's still something you do. You need to act on it. Do the right things. And people just freak out today. Oh, we're danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, you know. Y'all remember how that thing? If you remember what I'm talking about, you are a geezer. <laughs> Welcome to Geezerville, baby. You thought you were still young and cool. If you knew danger, Will Robinson, you're, you're a geezer like me. But you know, oh, you can't say that. That's a robot, by the way. <laughs> Our robots back there weren't nearly as cool as the ones we got now. Now, some people teach a version of grace that says it doesn't matter what you do or you don't do. It doesn't really matter. It's all good. It's all good. I know you shouldn't kill people, but it's all good. You know, just, you can't help it. Brothers, speaking condemnation. And, no, it's not about speaking condemnation. Look, we all mess up. Everybody struggles. Everybody has mistakes that they do. The only reason I don't share all my mistakes with you is it'll depress you, you know. <laughs> Quit coming to church. <laughs> you know? We all have stuff. I don't have a problem with that, man. You can come up and tell me almost anything, and I'm not going to, oh, my goodness, have nothing to do with that person. We all have, man, I'm telling you, people do all kinds of stuff. I don't have a problem with, gee, I made a mistake. Man, I, I've sinned. I've, I've, I've done something wrong. I've committed adultery, whatever it is. But to man up and say, hey, you know, I was doing the wrong thing, and I, I'm sorry, and I want to get this right. You know, help me, show me how to get this right. That's cool. I got no problem with that. My problem is with a culture today that says it doesn't matter what I do. Jesus loves me anyway. Well, yeah, he does. But I'm warning you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop! What is this reticence? This, you, know, you can't tell people to stop. Now, I get what it is. It's, it's that, you know, we tend to swing so much in, uh, in churches, particularly in evangelical churches, you know. Uh, you know, and that's a big category. That's everything from Pentecostals to Baptists, everything in between. Uh, but, uh, you know, basically Bible-believing churches, they tend to swing, you know, they're on wayside and all of a sudden, oh, they swing way to the other side. I get it. You know, it used to be in so many churches that they were so legalistic. You know, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. And they would just make stuff up and they just picked on stupid stuff. You know, like you can't. You can't have, you know, drums in the church. What a terrible thing. You, know, you remember that stupid argument? Good Lord, how many years did we waste on that? Moronic thinking. God bless the former generation. He finally died. <laughs> God bless them. 
We're grateful you stuck around long enough to give us the gospel, but good Lord, get out of the way. Megan, arguing about the stupidest thing. You can't do this and you can't do that. You can't, you can't play cards. That's a sin. Remember that? Playing cards? I'm not sure exactly how that was a sin. You know, apparently demons would pop out if you're playing cards. Or just condom, just stupid stuff all the time. You can't roller skate. Remember there's roller skating. Anybody part of that group? You know? You go, roller skating is a sin. Did you ever hear that? You never heard that one? Yeah, you were in Africa, that's why. You're <laughs> Bunch of heathens in there beating on drums and going crazy. That's why. <laughs> Running through the trees. That's what you can't see. It's Pastor Lathan from Africa down here. But, uh, um, you know, all this stuff. And that. So it became crazy and condemning. They were condemning everything. And you couldn't, you were afraid to do anything. And it became very legalistic. And they make rules about stuff that weren't rules. The Bible didn't say anything about it, but we came up with rules on it. So people got tired of it, and finally they realized, you know, look, this isn't about what you do and what you do, you know, about a bunch of do's and don'ts in that kind of context. So we got away from it. You know, they were just, you know, the length of hair. That was a big one. Remember that? I don't have this problem anymore, but originally I was a problem in the church because my hair was over my ears. How many years did we waste on that stupid argument? Good grief. People dying and going to hell around us, and we're just, well, the strength of your hair, Religious people, we, you know, we've been guilty of the dumbest things throughout the centuries. There's a story, I don't know if it's really true, but history says there was a, uh, a meeting once. Uh, the history of Europe was in the battle. This is like in the Middle Ages. Some big battle's coming up and, you know, some critical juncture in history. And all the religious leaders got together. And the number one topic was, you know, what is the color of the Virgin Mary's eyes? Well, who cares? And number two was, if a fly falls into the holy water, is the holy water defiled or is the fly sanctified? <laughs> Who cares? Just, you know, we major on stupid. Just stupid, stupid, stupid. And I get, you know. You know, women had to have their hairpin buns. You know, you remember the bun days, some of you girls? You know, bunch of odd. Bunch of Jezebels this morning. You don't have your hair in buns. What's the matter? <laughs> and they print, you know, they printer come out with rulers to check out the length of your skirts and stuff. Remember all that? Now I get it. They were trying to encourage modesty, and I'm all for that. You know, you girls, cut us some slack. You know, we're visual. We're men. Don't be just hanging out there all over the place, man. It's like. I get it. You're blessed. All right. I'm not, I'm not against them. I dare say most guys are pretty big fans, but just, you know, just come on. We're trying to worship Jesus for crying out loud. It's bad when you come up to somebody and say, what are your names? Oh, what's your name? I mean, I mean, come on. Cut us some slack. A little modesty wouldn't hurt. But even still, we're not going to get psycho about it. But it's all legalistic. Everything about do this and don't do that. Okay, so that was here. Now, to get away from that, we've swung way over here. And now it doesn't matter what you do. You can do anything. You can live like hell. No problem. 
No problem. No problem there. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. Now, now we've, got, we've got a religion today just poisoning Christianity, a line of thinking that it doesn't matter. You can do anything. Just, you know, Jesus will make it better later. Come on. There are standards. There's some things you should not be doing. It's not a very long list. It's a pretty short list. Stop it. Quit living that way. The minute you talk, oh, you know, my friends think it's okay. I mean, this is the standard instead of what the Bible says. My friends, you know, talking to some young lady, her and her boyfriend doing the Garden of Eden thing, you know. I said, well, stop. What are you doing? You're not married. You shouldn't be getting naked and crazy for crying out loud. And her response to me was, well, I have Christian friends. They all think it's okay. Well, first of all, you need some new friends. <laughs> Secondly, I don't care if they think it's okay. I don't care if I think it's okay. I don't care if everybody in the world thinks it's okay. It's not okay. All right? God decides what is okay and what is not okay. He is not a pollster. Goodness gracious, you know, there's not angels up in heaven taking poles. Coming to God, you know, God, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, that was cool, but about 75% of the people think it's okay now. <laughs> oh, well, then maybe we've got to change. If that's what the poles are saying. God doesn't care about your poles. There's right and there's wrong. Why is it condemning or making people feel terrible when you just say it's right and it's wrong? Stop. Goodness gracious. I can't help it. I warn you, he writes, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where's those warnings today? When's the last time you heard a preacher warn anybody about much anything? Yeah, we've got puppets all across America this morning talking about global warming. A whoop these things can do. I've read the end of the book. It's going to be some serious global warming at the end. <laughs> When the whole earth goes up in flames, now that's global warming. <laughs> okay, so that, that's, that's that first part. We talked about that. Now we get to the next part. Then he juxtaposes, big fancy word there. He, he sets it up as different. He says, there's the acts of the flesh. Don't do this stuff, guys. Get your head in the right place and you won't do that. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's about you doing the right stuff. But then he gets, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, look at the difference. Look at the difference in the wording. The former things were acts, things that you must take care of not to do. But the next list, he doesn't use the word acts. He uses the word fruit. And unlike acts, they're not things that you just do. Now, check it out. Now, without a doubt, there's versions of these things that can be done on your own strength. After all, you can do love. You can be loving. You can be kind. Like I was talking about, you know, if you know someone who's lost a son or a daughter in, in the wars or something, you know, send them a, a, a letter. Let them know that you, you, you appreciate them and that they're not forgotten. Um, that's kindness. You can do kinds of stuff. You can exert a degree of self-control. 
I mean, come on. I mean, there's whole religions that have more discipline and control in their lives than Christians, for crying out loud. And they don't even believe in Jesus. You know, you can do something. But that's not what he's talking about now. What Paul is talking about here are not acts that you do. It's fruit. And fruit is the inevitable byproduct of a healthy plant or a healthy tree. All right? For example, uh, up here in, in Door County. I can't think of the name. Door, window, something. Door County. We have cherry trees, right? Cherry trees all over the place. Now, cherry trees do not try and give birth to cherries. They're not out there going. It just happens automatically. In fact, a healthy cherry tree cannot help but bring forth cherries. And I'm fairly certain that cherry growers do not go out there and yell at the trees to give forth more fruit. Come on, guys, get with the program. We need more fruit. Let's get it done. Now, that's, that's where Christianity can go over the line. That's what a lot of people are resisting. Pastors just yelling at people to be more holy, more, you know, as, as in, in terms of their own strength that they can pull this off. Again, there's a difference here. Let's not be swinging one way or the other. There's a clear line in the Bible that says some behavior, you just stop it, okay? But when it comes to this stuff, you can't really control this stuff. Love, joy, peace, kindness, all these things that he's talking about here. This now is fruit. You don't just go out and yell at trees to bring forth fruit. And I'm pretty sure cherry growers don't send cheerleaders through the trees shouting words of encouragement. Like some campaign slogan, yes, you can, yes, you can. See, si, see, si, see, si, see, si, I mean, come on. For our Latino people. <laughs> now, what a cherry dozer, dozer, <laughs> what a cherry grower does, he's a dozer, is he focuses, if he wants successful plants and trees, he focuses on the environment around the tree. Get the right environment and you get the right fruit. It's just that simple. Maybe, well, not necessarily that simple. It can be a lot of work. But it's all about getting the right environment. Now, while I do not have any problem shouting and warning, as Paul did, about the do not do stuff, I'm acutely aware that when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, they cannot be controlled by me or by anybody else. If you lack this list in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The answer is not for you to try harder. Okay? You can't just gin these things up under your own power. No, if you lack these traits in your life, it's simply a matter of one thing. Your environment is wrong. So let me check it out. Look around your life. And I mean, let's face it. At times in our lives, you go through the list, you go, ooh, I'm not doing so well. Love, joy, Peace, gentleness, kind. How many at any time in your Christian walk have found yourself sadly lacking in these areas? Ooh, you bunch of sinners. Yes. <laughs> Just like me. All right? And then sometimes then Christians get caught up in this thing of, boy, I just got to try harder. I got, I got to be nicer. I just, you know, bad man, bad man, bad man, bad man. I got to be nicer. I got to be holier. I got to, no, 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 no. It's not about that. If you're not giving forth fruit, Check out the environment. What is happening around your life? 
Because if you're not giving fruit, if this stuff isn't happening, there's something wrong. You see, fruit just happens. They just pop out. Okay? Apples, whatever your deal is, it just comes out. Um, all right, so now, that's why you need to consider in your life, what are you doing? For example, how often do you go to church? It's important to go to church. This is a big deal. Why? Because it helps you get in the right environment. Helps you to get in the right frame of mind. You get the right environment. You get the right sunshine. The wind, the, wind, the, the rain, the right uh, essential minerals in your life. You are going to become fruitful. You're going to start having love, joy, peace, kindness, and these things in your life. In fact, sometimes it'll actually shock you. You know, so people say, how come you're not upset? And you go, I don't know. I should be upset. Six months ago, I had to strangle that guy. You know, but now I'm smiling. Uh, seriously, why? Because all of a sudden, you're, you're getting fruity. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and fruit's popping on people's heads and stuff. And wow, what was that? Wow, you're being nice to me. Why? Why are you being nice to me? I hate you. And you're still being nice to me. Why? why? I don't know. I'm fruity. And love and God. Why? Because you're getting the right environment. It starts with the most basic thing, going to church. And let me challenge you guys. I'm not one of these guys who hammers people all the time for not being in church every single time the door is open. But come on. Be consistent. Let's face it. There's a lot of people at Celebration Church. They come, you know, three, four times a year, whether they need it or not. Come on. And the truth is, when everybody shows up, there's not enough room for everybody. Have you noticed that? You got the Easter, you got the Christmas times, and the place is nuts. I dare say there's over 4,000 people who consider themselves members of Celebration Church. They don't show up every Sunday, you know. And again, it's not about condemning you and you have to, but come on. You want to have spiritual fruit in your life? You need to get yourself in the right environment. Right environment. You can't help but get fruity. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. How often do you pray? You know, what kind of friends do you have? Do you have strong Christian friends? Now, let's be honest. I mean, some of you guys, your best friends, your best friends in the world, the guys you spend most of the time with, are just heathens. You know? Now, great. It's good to have heathen friends. It is. That's how you get them to quit being heathens. You get fruity around them, and then they want to be like you. Okay? Some of that's cool, but at some point, do you have any strong Christian friends? Guys who can encourage you in the word? Guys who can challenge you to grow in your faith? People that you can be open and honest with, help you get the right environment in your life? How often do you read the Bible? You know, what kind of shows do you watch? I mean, what, what's your, where's your head at all that? And again, we're not legalistic about it. You know, part of the whole legalism thing, you know, never go to movies, never go to movies, never go to movies, you know. No, you don't want to go to something filthy and stuff, but I go to movies. How's just that one? The Terminator. <laughs> Terminator Salvation. Y'all see it yet? How many of y'all see it? How many of the sinners we got out there? A couple, okay, God bless you. But, uh, 
<laughs> I thought it was cool, man. <laughs> it's way better than Danger Will Robinson Danger. You know, I mean, these, these robots are kicking butt, man. I mean, these guys are cool. What's your environment? If you, upon examination, go love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and you're going, ouch, 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 ouch. I'm not doing very well in those things. The answer isn't for me to yell at you. I can't yell it into you. The answer isn't for you to just discipline yourself to be more nice to people. If you're lacking the fruit, dude, check out your environment. Because if you're lacking these things, take it to the bank. You are not putting yourself in a good place. Because if you get the right environment, I'm telling you, this stuff just happens. It'll happen. It'll shock you even sometimes. And it'll certainly shock the people around you. And in a pleasant way. Wow. How come you're that way? It's because Jesus is in my life. People, I'm telling you, you get around people and you really live this stuff out, they'll be asking you, wow, what is it with you? How come you're that way? How come you're different? I get that a lot, but <laughs> it's usually, what are you smoking, man? You know, but uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just happy, man. Jesus loves me. This, I'll tell you what, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was 16 years of age and, uh, I got this dumb grin stuck in my face that day and I haven't been able to shake it ever since. And I don't want to shake it. And I love it. And I know I'm a little weird and strange, but Jesus loves me and I just love being alive. I like the feeling of, wow, God loves me. And the weight of sin and garbage is off of my neck and I can experience that I can be fruity. And it's wonderful. And it's great. It's a great feeling, man, to walk in that. And I'm telling you, you can feel that way no matter what your physical environment is. Some of you think, well, I can't be happy because I don't have the right house. I can't be happy because I don't have the right car. I can't be happy because I'm in jail. You know, I'm telling you, you can be in jail and be as fruity as you can be. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, just joy, peace, love. Why? Because if you will get the right spiritual environment in your life, Life comes out of that. Hallelujah. So the doing you need to do is not to force yourself to be more loving or patient. The doing you need to do is make sure you're in a place of a positive, healthy environment. That you can do. You can't fake the rest, but you can control that environment, and it's up to you. And judge yourself. I mean, you know, when we take, we're getting ready to take communion in a little bit here. The Bible says that when you take communion, a believer should examine himself before you take the body and the blood of Christ. Kind of just internal inventory. How am I doing? Where am I at? And if, and, if, and if you look at this list, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you're going, wow, I'm not, I'm not doing so good. The answer isn't shame. The answer isn't guilt. The answer isn't condemnation and you just trying to be harder. The answer is fix the environment. Because if you are the right, Jesus said, I am the vine. If you are plugged into me, then you will bear fruit. You can't help but do it. It just happens automatically. And this stuff will just come popping right out of you. 
All right, we're gonna have all the ushers come forward at this time, get ready to serve communion. Our musicians back on the platforms at the different campuses, getting ready to play. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, what about you this morning? Where are you at? You know, you can't really experience the fruit of the Spirit if the Spirit of God is not in you in the first place. And the Spirit of God can't be in you if you haven't experienced God's forgiveness and grace in your life. When Christ comes into your life, the power of the Holy Spirit becomes available to you. And it's life-changing, and it's energizing, and it is quite fabulous. It's wonderful, man. You can know what we're talking about. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard a message like this. Maybe you haven't been in a church in 100 years. I don't know. Maybe you've been coming to church every day of your life, and you still have never really, truly surrendered your heart. We're getting ready to pray a prayer together. When we pray this prayer together, and I'm going to invite everybody to pray it, you know, whether you've said it or not before, or you might already be a Christian, but I invite everybody to pray. And if you'll pray it with us and believe this, you can experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. And you can truly experience and begin experiencing what I'm talking about as you grow in your Christian faith. But it all starts with putting your hope and trust in Jesus. You see, Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. All other religions, it's about getting everything right on the outside first. You know, you got to be the right kind of person. You got to quit doing the right thing, the wrong things. You got to get, it's all about here. And if you read and study long enough and go through all the rituals and stuff, then maybe you'll be able to experience God. Christianity is exactly the opposite. You start out by experiencing God. You might not know a thing about Jesus, but you can experience him this morning. You can experience his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness, his kindness in your life. And in Christianity, you start out experiencing God. And now, you grow out that which God has done on the inside of you. Now you start experiencing and growing in the kind of things that we're talking about. And all this is made possible because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that your sins could be forgiven. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, you can experience that today. I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads right now with me all across the campuses and everybody watching by video. And let's Say this prayer together. If you'll believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can experience God's forgiveness in your life today. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.